This morning, I want to speak about the supporting role of a lifetime, is what we're really called to. And it's been my life journey of learning to make Jesus number one. And the journey of, you know, going through my insecurities and all of the things that I feel and instead asking God how he sees me and then becoming a light that doesn't promote myself but promotes Jesus. And I remember when I was about 17 years old, we were at this um, thing called Rock in the Rockies and it was this big um, church conference that we were at. And I remember a man came up to me and he said, Amy, I just want you to know that the light of Jesus shines out of your eyes. And I remember thinking, that is the greatest compliment I could ever get, you know. But there were so many years after that where I went through just living out of my insecurities and feeling like I had to prove myself to be enough, you know. And now it's like one of the greatest things of my life is I want to be known as a woman who shines Jesus. That people say, when I look at you, I see Jesus, you know. I want to read from Galatians 2, 19 through 21. It says, But because the Messiah lives in me, I have now died to the law's dominion over me, so now I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me, and we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by faith in the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. I love that. He dispenses his life into mine. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And right, we can be living our lives but not really accessing that and living the, living the Christ in us. You know, shining the Christ in us because we're so worried about us. We want to be seen. We're feeling insecure. We're feeling broken instead of going to him and seeing, what do you see? And it's the revelation that we need to get that we are second. And he is Christ alive in us. He is who we are meant to be. And one of the best ways to learn this, and I tell this to people, is have children. They will teach you how to not be selfish. They will teach you how to lay down your lives. It can either be really hard to be a parent or, I mean, it's hard, but, or it can be a lot easier the less you learn to be less selfish, right? And so, you know, mommy, 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 can you do this? I just sat down. You know, you, you make a nice meal, you put it all out, and then they're like, you didn't bring any water to the table, can you get me water? But now I'm at the point where I'm like, go get water yourself. So there's a little selfishness left there. <laughs> I'm teaching them to not be selfish. <laughs> uh, it's one of the hardest journeys that we'll ever take to put our agenda down and ask God what his agenda for us is. I love what Heidi Baker says. She says, I go low and I go slow. And she's this PhD. She has this very educated woman. And she's had times where literally for a whole entire conference, God told her, I only want you to say two sentences. And she repeated it over and over and over again. And she's like, God, I look like a fool. But I'll be a fool for you. And she just said, put your hands in the hands of Jesus and put your feet on the feet of Jesus. And she couldn't stop saying it over and over again. Put your hands on the hands of Jesus. Put your feet on the feet of Jesus. 
And there, there was a time where she went into this conference and she was in the bathroom about to speak and she heard these women saying, oh, Heidi Baker's here again. She's probably just going to lay in, on the floor and cry or something. I don't even know why they got her. And she's in there crying, you know, and oh, no. And so she goes to the church library and she said she sped read through like seven books. And she's like, I'm going to preach this message that's going to knock everybody's socks off. And then God like makes her so slain in the spirit that she can't do anything and they had to carry her onto the stage and she's just weeping and weeping and weeping and that was it. And next thing you know, she looks around and all of the pastors in the whole conference are on their knees weeping. I love that. It's just being willing to lay down our lives for God, to be foolish for God and say, you're first. It's about your glory and not mine. It's about learning to worship him, you know, and that it's just as important to worship him alone in your bedroom as it is up here, or even more important, you know. I've had so much of that, you know, seeing my brother get promoted and my sister sometimes get promoted, and I'm like, but what about me? And God's like, it's just important, as important, you worshiping me in your bedroom alone isn't up there, so I want you to get that. You keep supporting them and believing in them. It's about learning how to pour out your ministry to Jesus before you pour it out to everybody else. I've really learned that, that he's the number one one that I pour my love on. And then as I do, it's like he fills you up so that you have more than enough. So it's this beautiful exchange. So many people want this stage, but they have to learn the intimacy first to be truly effective. You know, and... I've really felt this a lot in God speaking to me, but a lot of the people that will see crown with many crowns in heaven will be people that were never known on the wider great stages and things like that. They'll be the people that just served and loved the poor and were just continually giving their all for Jesus. He doesn't look at it in, in measure it like we do. I remember there's been many times where people have said to Adam and I, so how does it feel to be living in the, living the dream? You know, you're in full-time ministry, and I'm like, <laughs> that's a good one. Living the dream. Talk to me when I'm getting paid to lounge on a beach and create content, you know, and I, I will rate your food that you serve to me, and I'm worshiping under the stars on beaches, and I'm getting couples massages. Then I will tell you how living the dream is. <laughs> But no, it was God asking me, Amy, will you do this? And me dragging my feet and finally saying, yes, I want what you want from me more than I want what I want for me. And so I say yes. And it's much more stretching. It's a lot harder, but it's so worth it. Because the more that you fall in love with Jesus, the more that everything else pales in comparison. Mm. <laughs> I thought about this. We are called to be the Samwise Ganges, like Lord of the Rings, the one that he, he says to Frodo in the end, I cannot carry you, but I can. I cannot carry the ring, but I can carry you. I love that. You know, the whole fellowship of the ring, they were all supporting, and they were all vital to getting that ring destroyed so that Middle Earth could be free. And that's what we're called to do. We're all called to forward the kingdom, to forward Jesus, to make way for him so that the kingdom can be manifest on earth. I remember 
um, Chris Dupre, which is one of my heroes, he came to the school of ministry and he talked about the father's love. And he used to be a pro soccer player. And he said, one of my favorite things ever was passing to the guy who scored the goals. I love to be an assister. And I was like, that's good for you. I wish I wanted that, but no. You know, but it's so cool that the more that I get close to Jesus and the more that you've been broken down, you see the broken and you want to push them forward. And you realize that the more that you push Jesus forward, the, be- the better it is. And, and now I love being a sister. I love seeing someone get set free and look where they are now. And I had a part in that. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. We champion others. We see the unseen. I think one of the biggest reasons that the Pharisees hated Jesus so much is because he pointed out that you guys love yourself so much that you're not noticing others. You're all about you, but you're not really focused on God. We don't want to promote ourselves. We want to promote Jesus. But I want to talk about self-love. So because of that, sometimes the church is afraid of self-love, right? We're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to look like that so we don't really love ourselves. But this is vital, is loving ourselves, because the only way that we can truly promote Jesus and truly do all of this is that we love who we are. And I've really learned that. I spent years and years condemning myself, but then I couldn't really love others freely. And so it's out of that place of like, I am enough, I am loved, I am valuable, and so I'm gonna give it away. And it's not all about me anymore because I know who I am. So I don't have to strive and strive and strive. I love it. It says that the true meaning of being humble is to see yourself as you really are. And that is love. That is valuable. That is more than a conqueror. Hmm. When you realize that it's not about you, you know, your worship changes. I remember you know, for years, always striving to be enough in worship because I was constantly in comparison. And comparison is totally not of God because you're either, you're in every form of comparison, you're putting somebody down, whether it's yourself or somebody else. You know, there's that, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that. Pat myself on the back, right? I'm so glad that at least I'm, I'm better than that. Or, you know, it's constantly like, I wish I had that. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. Look at her. I wish, I wish, I wish. I'm, I'm just nothing, right? But it's knowing who you are in God. And for years, I struggled with perfectionism, you know, constantly trying to be this, become the standard of what I thought I should be, right? But you fail and fail and fail and fail. And I remember... God saying to me, Amy, there's no comparison in heaven. But, you know, it got here, but it didn't go here. And so, like, one worship leader after another would come into school of ministry who's a really talented girl, and I had been, like, a master at comparison and jealousy. And this one girl, she would play, and she was incredible. And then she started the whole um, set on live TV in a different octave, and had to completely change, say, I'm so sorry, everyone, and start again. And then another girl came in, she messed up, and she messed up, and these were all like heroes to me. And God says, it doesn't matter, Amy. All I'm asking is for you to give me all of you, because you can never be anybody else but you. And he would show me all of these things, 
bit by bit by bit that broke down my comparison. And I began to feel free again to just stop comparing and just give him my 100% and see what he does with it. And that's the amazing thing. When you give him your everything, he will take it and make it so much more. Hmm. He began to break the cycle, right? I remember going to Iceland after that, after God had been going through that comparison and jealousy in me. And I was leading worship in Iceland, and there was this time where this other band was leading, and I watched them, and they were just so full of passion. And they were giving it everything, and I had never seen a band so full of hunger for God. And God said, skill meets passion. Look at that, Amy. I don't care about you being perfect. I want you to give me your passion to worship me in passion, because if the most skilled worshipers worship me, but they're not giving me their hearts and their passion, it falls flat to me. And he just began to speak to me over and over again about just giving him my everything. And that's when all my worship changed, even my vocals changed, because I stopped caring about pleasing everybody, and I just started to be like, Abba, and when I messed up, it was okay, because it wasn't about me anymore. It was about him. And people got that, it's so amazing. It's that aha moment, you know, that we are meant to shine, um, and that's totally natural, and that's a desire that we all have, but it's to shine Jesus, to be the light. It says that we are called to be the light. We are the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, but we are filled up so much with Jesus' love that it overflows. And the question is, right, who are we shining? Are we trying to continually have others see us or know that Jesus sees us? In Romans 9, 20 through 27, it says this, But who do you think you are to second-guess God? How could a human being molded out of clay say to the one who molded him, Why in the world did you make me this way? Or why are you denying the right of the potter to make the clay whatever he wants? Doesn't the potter have the right to make the same lump of clay an elegant vase or an ordinary pot? And in the same way, although God has every right to unleash his anger and demonstrate his power, he is extremely patient with those who deserve wrath, that are vessels prepared for destruction. And he has the right, right to release a revelation of wealth of his glory to his vessels of mercy, whom God prepared beforehand to release and receive his glory. Even for us, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, we are those who are called to experience his glory. Remember the prophecy that God gave in Hosea. To those who who were rejected and not my people, I will say to them, you are mine. To those who were unloved, I will say to you, you are my darling. In the place where they were told, you are nobody, this will be the place where they will be renamed the children of God. I love that. We're all vessels to be filled up with something, so what are we filling ourselves up with? And that's, we want to be filled with his glory. And so, are we constantly getting upset when we're not promoted, when we're not seen? And are we constantly trying to make it happen? I know that was me for a really long time, and it's exhausting. And it's heartbreaking. And the more that I just went low, and the more that I've just been like it's all about you Jesus the more that he's able to just do so much more through me I remember this moment where someone I knew was getting promoted so far and I was like but I feel like I know so much more than them and all of this stuff 
And then I went and had time with the Lord, and I just began to break down and cry. And I said, God, if they never see me, if I never get promoted beyond this, it's okay because you are enough. You're enough. All I'm going to do is just love the ones in front of me. And I remember being at the worship retreat a few years back, and Jeremy Sinet, who's a worship leader from Catch the Fire, he said to us, guys, if you never had your instrument, if you couldn't play anymore, if you lost your voice, will God still be enough for you? And you can apply that to so many things. You know, if you don't achieve your dreams, if you don't see this happen, is he still enough for you? And it's something that I ask myself a lot. When I'm feeling insecure, when I'm feeling like, ah, oh, again, I just humble myself. And I'm like, I'm sorry that the motivation of my heart was wrong in this situation. I wanted to be seen. Forgive me. And just, again, Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about you. You are enough for me. And that's something I say a lot to him. You are enough. I remember falling to my knees and I said, if this church never happens because so many things were going wrong and we couldn't find a building, I said, if it never happens, I surrender everything and I will serve you all the days of my life. You're enough. And then we get the building. <laughs> it's a place he wants to journey with us. He wants to be the motivation of your hearts. He wants his desire for you to trump all other desires till it becomes your joy to serve him, right? That we become content to be in that supporting role. I, I am the one who gets to do such a good job at a supporting role that Jesus shines so greatly, right? And there's no greater example than this than Jesus. That's what I love. He continually told people when he healed them, like, don't go and tell anyone. He was constantly serving others, laying down his life. When he's the God of the universe, he wasn't out for his own glory, but he continually was pointing to his father. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be made to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I love that. Jesus didn't even begin his ministry till his 30s. Even when his mom's trying to promote him, right? You know, to turn water into wine. He's like, no, no. He stopped for the one. He was the God. He's like, let the little children come. When they're like, oh, it's, you know, go children, go. He's like, come, just come. He could have had anything. Right? But he chose, chose the low places. He chose to be born in a barn. All of these things, to be hum humbled. It says in the Bible there was nothing physically attractive about him. And he's the God who took the time to wash his disciples' feet. And he is our example. I want to read some verses about this. About being humble and a person who serves in love. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Luke 14.11 says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
James 4, 6 says, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. James 4, 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Psalm 149, 4 says, for the Lord takes delight in his people and he crowns the humble with victory. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And this is something that you get there by continually surrendering to Jesus and getting closer and closer to him, and then it changes everything. And these are just a few verses that talk about that. You know, you can go every morning like I did and look in the mirror, right? And you just, you see all your flaws and you look and you just want to change it, you know? Or you, you look at your phone, right? And you look at how many likes you have, how many, how many things you get from social and that feeds you. But when it, when it falls apart, then again, you're, oh, what picture should I put up? What should I show to make people like me again? And it's this cycle that never ends and it's exhausting because I've been there so much and it's instead taking the time all the time to ask him how he sees you how he feels about you you know when I'm feeling insecure and all of this I know I need to spend time with the Lord and I just take that time and I say how do you see me? Instead of, you know, if you lost a little bit more weight, if you did this, you know, all of these things, you, you see all your failures, but God sees you as loved. And so I look at God and, and I just focus on him. And he's like, you're enough. You're not a failure. I'm with you. I'm for you. You know, you're a beautiful daughter and all of this stuff. And, and again, and I can go from that place and instead of needing everybody to love me, I just love them because I already know who I am. So self-love is so important because then you just give away what you already have. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. It says, but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring, referring to is the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of our Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's this, that's really what it is, cease striving and enter his rest. Cease striving to be enough and enter the rest and know that you are loved. And when you live life out of that place, it's a lot more restful because you're not striving anymore. It's knowing that if they don't see me, you see me. And this is the place where I've honestly learned just to live out of. And I've learned that that's when he uses you the most. The more surrendered you get, the more that you just, it's all about him, the more that he can use you because you're that willing vessel and he can fill you up with more and more and more. I just want to pray today. 
God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that as we let you in more and more, you transform us to make us mirrors that reflect you. God, I pray that each and every one of us, God, would get our identity so much in you that we have so much love to give away. God, I pray that you would help us to want you more than we want anything else. God, I pray that we would lay down our agendas and that our lives would be living sacrifices for you. You are enough. You are enough, God. May we be a people who radiate your glory. May we be a people who radiate your glory. God, that we would be a people who promote you instead of our own kingdom. And God, I pray that you would take each and every person to a place where they are continually hearing your words of life over them. They're hearing your love spoken to them. That I pray that you would help us to get free of our insecurities. You would help us to get free of all of the chains that hold us back from really being a people who know we're loved. Because that's what it's all about. They would know that we are Christians by our love. Because we love like you. God, I just pray that you would heal all the places where we had hopes for things and, and it seemed to have fallen apart. God, I pray that we would press in for more and that we would trust that you will open the doors. That when we acknowledge you in all of our ways, you direct our path. And that's the beauty of it. The more that you surrender, the more your life opens up, the better it is. It's, it's such an upside down kingdom. It truly is. When I lose my life, I find it. When I lose my life, I find it in Jesus. So Jesus, I just pray that as we go out of this place this week, that we would just more and more and more encounter your incredible love. That we would encounter your incredible love and just, just say yes and yes and yes. I remember this moment where... All of a sudden, I was in this group of people and I messed up and I felt so insecure. And I started crying and one of the guys came over and he said, what's going on? And I'm just like, I'm feeling embarrassed. You know, my voice cracked or whatever. And all of a sudden, I was taken into a vision and I saw this picture of myself now and Jesus said to me, do you know that you're loved right now? And I took a second and I said, yes. And then he showed me myself as a teenager, really insecure and hurting, and I wasn't the nice person that I am today. And he said, did you know right then there that you were loved? And I took a little time, and I said, yes. 
Then he showed me a picture of me as a little girl and writing a song and presenting it. And it, I was told on the things I needed to work on it and feeling super insecure. And God said, did you know even then that you were loved? And I said, yes. And then he showed me this like jelly liquid heart. And there was this tiny little golden seed inside of it. And he says, that's what, when you were just a thought. Did you know even then I thought you and I loved you? And all of a sudden the heart started pulsating. And he said, my heart has always been pulsating with love for you and you've been in the center of it. And I don't want you to fall every time you mess up, Amy, and feel like you're nothing. I want you to stay in the center of this and know that it's continually pulsating for you. And the more that I've dwelled in that place, that's the more that my whole life has changed. My ministry has changed everything. And I've gotten so much breakthrough. So God, I pray that for each person, that you would show them how your heart is pulsating with love for them. Absolutely pulsating with love for them. That we would be a people that burn, that burn for you, Jesus.